everyone. It's Mr. Beverly Mooney outside the Manhattan Center tonight. It's a jam-packed house, and we got everybody packed to the rafters. Oh, who's this? Is this a is this a, a hillbilly from I, the backwoods? I didn't get it. I didn't see a Rob Barlett. He's my nephew. What? No, the the it, Rob Barlett. Tickets he's are sold out. I didn't We're get stuck. inside. I, I can't let you in. I didn't get it. I didn't see Rob. What? That dirty dog Heenan. It's it's you. What the heck? You can't get in. I I need to get inside. Monday Night Raw's happening. Very first episode. I need to get inside. You're banned from the building! But I, but I need to get in! From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Mastery, Minnesota, moved all over. Main, event, status, radio, with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, Kino 210, and the Dirty Dog Dirty. It's been one week since we podcasted last. It's been one week since I last spoke to my broadcast journalist partner. Welcome everybody back to Main Event Status Radio. I am the Ursher of the podcast. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, joined by the broadcast partner groom, Mr. <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210. Beverly how was your honeymoon? That's the whales that we saw. I brought one home. It's living in my bathtub. I was able to catch it. I brought it home. That its was name either, that, that was is one. Sp- that was either one small whale or one huge bathtub that you guys have. <laughs> you got to come visit to see. <laughs> well. I guess I need to take another vacation and be able to come down and see how huh, Beverly. <laughs> next year, I guess. Yeah, next year I'll get not just one week, but two weeks. So I guess I know what I'm <laughs> doing with one of my weeks next year. <laughs> coming down, coming down and crashing on the Beverly house, Beverly couch. Yeah, the, yeah, the Beverly couch. Uh, I don't know if I, I might, it might be officially said that the couch got. Brought down a class level with me sleeping on it. <laughs> I'm happy to make you laugh, Beverly. Yes. So, yeah, last weekend was definitely a lot of fun at the wedding after we got done uh, podcasting. I danced the night away. Freaks did come out at night. That was tons of fun, Beverly. Yeah. Oh, man, we're still cleaning up after you. The the Legion, they, they're calling me. They're saying, God, don't ever let the Dirty Dog come back. I think you might be banned from the American Legion. I hope they uh, keep it quiet from the St. Cloud area Legions because I might have to go there <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> so, Beverly, what did we, uh, within the last week, what did we watch for this week? All right, so this week on tap is continuing first month. We are into the very, very first of what is the longest episodic television or whatever they like to say. Monday Night Raw. (laughs) I absolutely loved how this show, how Raw started out with the opening scenes, Beverly. Well, you know, one of the very, very few things 
that I don't know. I I watched this a bunch of times. One of the very few things that I liked here was are, were these opening scenes. So it was Sean Moody walking us, saying that he is outside the Manhattan Center, live uh, in New York City. Right. And Bobby Heaton tries to get in. <laughs> yeah, he he tries to barge in the door, saying that he is. Uh, going to be on the on the broadcast team and he needs to get inside to broadcast. Why do you know why they chose to kick Bobby Heaton off the broadcast team and put in Rob Barlant? Oh, I I think the story is just that uh you know Vince wanted this kind of like off the cup cuff feeling for uh, raw and really kind of wanted a, a a new person first half, but then also a person who's not really from like the wrestling mainstream. And makes sense, but yeah, I know we've talked about it before, but I don't think Rob Barlett was the best choice. Oh God, no! Because we both was talked about it many times before, but Bobby Heating was absolutely great on the broadcast oh. team. Yeah, he's the man. I would have absolutely loved, granted I know this wouldn't have happened because he would have been in, I think, over in WCW at this time, but I would have loved if somehow they could have got Jesse Ventura back to even just do this first show. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be possible, but he'd be good for it. Well, because I think it would be just, well, because, you know, you know, last week we talked about the first Saturday night, made a Saturday night spin event with uh, Vince and Jesse. It would be kind of funny to see Vince and Jesse in the early 90s with Macho Man Take tune with him, right? Yeah. Then uh, after Bobby tries to get in and Sean Moody won't let him in, we go to the <laughs> classic raw intro. Oh yeah. Then then we uh then Vince McMahon. Welcome oh to yeah, s- he is on fire. Like welcome everybody. Which it has to be the probably the, <laughs> the the traditional walking that everybody remembers that gets played over and over again after all these years. Yes, yes. And I'm sorry if I blew anybody's eardrums out with that one. What do you say, Beverly? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, then yeah, then joining him is Randy Macho Main Savage and Rob <laughs> Barlett. Yes. Yeah, Bob yeah. Bartlett, Ron Bartlett. Bob, oh, he, Bob Bartlett, whatever. <laughs> then McMahon tells us what to expect for the night. Then I put in caps lock, Yoko Zuma by Bartlett. <laughs> I know, and I was going to say, he he said the same way as that football player did a few weeks back. Yeah, when he, that New York Giant guy. I don't know who is worse, Beverly, Rob Bartlett or me. I mince pronouncing people's names. Oh, I don't know. I mean, at least like you know who the people are. True. Most of, most of the time. Well, the... At least the people who I don't know, I'll appear out say like it's Cindy. What's her name? <laughs> yeah. At least I try to catch at least one of their names. Right. Right. Either their first or their last name. <laughs> Most of the time it's their first name because after the first time I just don't pay attention. <laughs> Rob better be happy that I don't call him Rob. What's his name? <laughs> right on. So we uh, go into right away the first match of the night. Uh huh. So and got- before we say what what is the first match, well, I guess we will say who the one of the first competitors were: Coco 
beware. I was totally confused when I heard Owen Hart's theme song. Oh, yeah. Just because, I know we talked about it before with different laws that we reviewed, but I, you know, that theme song, I guess, is so so you tied in with Owen Hart that I totally forgot when, when the first, first few beats that Owen Hart and Coco Beware were tag-teaming for a while, and that was yeah. their theme song before Owen broke up and went on his own way. Right, and I didn't know that um, they were still in high energy at the time. At, at the time of this uh, recording, I wasn't aware that they were still a tag team together, but they had mentioned that. Well, yeah, I was surprised at that, too, because do you know how much longer High Energy was together? Couldn't have been too long. Cause it, I mean, it even seemed like with what we saw with Razor and Owen that it isn't going to be too long. It seems like they're kind of setting up Owen for his uh, you know, stuff involving Brett. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Coco Beware fought... Yoko Zuma. Yeah. With Mr. Well, I mean, to be fair, I guess I'm jumping ahead, but that's what Fuji calls him too. That's his own manager. So So that's probably why Rob Barlett calls him Yoko Zuma. <laughs> Maybe. So yeah, my first Maybe. note my first note was the one I did mention about how it was odd for me to see Coca come out to the sun that was the son of Owen after his heel run. Sure. I also want to ask you, Beverly. What's okay. your thoughts on the flower girls of Yokozuma? Oh, uh, I don't know. Whatever. It, felt, add, it adds. I like. I I like it because it adds to like the specialness of him. Like that he has extra people. Yeah, I don't know. Because I did feel like it helped put him over with his characters. Yeah. Since this was like what a few months after he debuted, and I'll say yeah. a few weeks before he would win the Royal Rumble and be the first guy to win the Rumble and. Be the number one contender for the WWF title at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's a. I think it's a good idea to to kind of still give him some uniqueness, give him some kind of speciality. Then right away, I wanted to punch my television screen because of Rob Barlett. Rob Barlett. What? what one, of, one of the other lines that he mentioned that kind of pissed me off was, okay. he, and he said, and I quote, "This guy has a no-fly zone." Okay, <laughs> why did that make you so angry? Just because moments later he, which I'm surprised they didn't edit it out, they called, they, <laughs> they, well, I don't want to say it, but they did, well, I don't want to say the word, but he was talking about how big Yokozuna's butt is. Right, yeah, he called him, yeah, he called him big butt, and then he used, yeah, a term that we don't use to describe an Asian person. Yeah, uh, that really, anymore. that really pissed me off, like, right away, you know, within a couple within within the first couple minutes of Monday Night Raw, you have Raw Barlett being uh, making a doc of being yeah. a doc of himself on calling Yokozuna fat, calling you know making yeah. you know Oriental jokes and all that. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. It was uh, he's pretty bad all around, but yeah, he started. I didn't know he started off so hot with like me pretty much hating him from. Uh, from the beginning, which I, I certainly did. And I, if it wasn't so, for if it wasn't for Macho and Vince, I probably would have muted it. You can really see though, like why you know Bartlow was picked because you could totally tell that Vince absolutely loved 
the jokes that he was throwing out. Sadly enough. You know, and and at the end of the day, right, like, everything on WWF is for one guy, and it's for Vince, so... You know, even nowadays, too, you know, so yeah, it makes, right. you know, Monday Night Raw is just for Vince. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, one of the first notes I have is that, uh, I don't have that many notes for this match, then again, this match only went, like, a little over three minutes long. Uh, I thought this match, it was a good, started out pretty good, that both men... We're kind of circling each other, kind of walk slowly around the ring after the bell ran. You know, kind of being cautious, which I kind of liked. And when sure. they fi- when they finally tied tied up, they did the collar and elbow tie up, and Yoko overpowered Coke right away and threw him to the mat. You know, kind of shunned off his strength. Uh huh. Yep. Did yeah, I, I thought. I, I mean, I thought Yoko was put over pretty darn well. One of my first, I guess, one of my next notes is the. Awesome leg drop by Yokozuna. Oh, God, that looked like it just crushed him. Whoa. Well, just think of it. I didn't note this, but I do remember what you know how Yoko is known for wearing the, I guess, the black half tights and the the red kind of like sumo attire thing, the like the bow tie thing. No, I don't, he, I, I don't, know, I, I don't know my terminology. He usually wears the red, oh, yeah, the red and the black, black yeah. bowl. How yeah. for tonight is the white tights with the with the red bowl. Yeah, I don't remember him wearing those too often either. Yeah, no, I know that as well. Yeah, to say that I know it's I very very rare that he would wear that. I do kind of like that once in a while he would pull that off for special occasions. Uh huh. Sure. I guess my next note is a running splash in the corner by Yoko. Oh god! I wrote that he put a gigantic uh, avalanche onto him. He just—I—I I don't know. He—he he wasn't afraid, to, you know, to do whatever he wanted to Coco, or if Coco gave him the the go ahead. But man, he was just full force, hundred uh, percent, going after Coco on this one. Do you have any other notes about the finish? Because my next note is the finish. Um, I might have one or two. I did. I did note it was kind of funny when Bartlett asked Macho what advice for Coco he had. And he he goes, "Yeah, I would tell him to leave the building, leave the state, leave the country." Yeah, <laughs> Macho. <laughs> I love Macho. We I, love I, Macho. <laughs> dig it, dig it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Okay. Let's go to the end there. So I'll see the match ended with a bonsai drop by Yoko for the pinfall victory. Winner, okay, what's your on this one? Winner, Yoko Zuma, rating one and one half star. Oh, wow, you're pretty high here. Um, I just went to star. Uh, it's, you know, a total squash. Um, but I, I do like Yoko in general. It's another kind of guy from the 93 through 95 uh, era here that I'm gaining a new appreciation that I didn't have when I was, uh, you know, really little, uh, that he's coming across a lot better. And, um, yeah, yeah he moves, moves well as his, again, he was beating the crap out of Coco, but yeah, I'm going to go with one star on this one. Well, cause I bumped it up. Well, I bumped up to one and one half because I felt like, it, like you mentioned, it was, it was what it needed to be, a great squash man for Yoko. Yeah. And I feel like Coco was a big enough name to help build up, help build up Yoko to be 
a legit contender for the Royal Rumble match, would would York would win to go on to WrestleMania? Right, and this is you know as I've been doing week by week here, looking at the first matches. Sorry, first matches of these shows to see kind of what they're presenting. This one's different because the the last few we've watched have all been kind of uh, fast paced matches, kind of uh, seemingly designed to kind of hook the. Um, hook the viewer where this one seems not as much on that because it's not a back and forth one it's not a uh fast paced at all but it, it's i think it's designed to really put up yokozuna as you know this is the guy who's going to win the royal rumble and and go on to win the title so yeah th- yeah, yeah. You know, like i said i felt like you know, like, you know, I think with Yoko's tights and, you know, with, with uh, you know, it being different for, I guess, the first Raw and Coco being, you know, I guess, uh, no, well, well, he wasn't a jobber. He was a well enough known name that with somebody like a new guy, like Yoko would beat him in a squash match like this, that would help put Yoko over. Sure. Uh-huh. Then after that, we get a Royal Rumble commercial. Yep, yep. This one was kind of just geared toward, um kind of putting over the match, putting over the title match as well. Sorry, the Royal Rumble match and the title match. Then we go to a pre-tape video package with Bobby the Brain putting over Lux Luger, whose gimmick is the narcissist. He's just putting over Narcissus. He does not Narcissus. And in this one, I definitely noticed that Bobby either has, like, his dentures loose or... He's got kind of a speech impediment because it's definitely like narcissist. Well, I noticed uh, that too. Yeah, narcissist is coming after you, Mister Perfect. Narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh too. That yeah, how uh, Bobby tells us that the nar- that narcissist is better than Mister <laughs> Perfect. That he's more perfect than Mister Perfect. Yeah, and it's like comparing ice cream to horse manure. Even even though Mister Perfect is the perfect. House manure. Not the perfect horse manure, but the perfect horse manure is not ice cream. Yes. And if Lex <laughs> Luger is ice cream, I'm completely fine not eating ice cream for the rest of my life. <laughs> Just saying. Well, if Mr. Perfect's horse manure, I don't know what that makes me, because Mr. Perfect's pretty darn great. Well, I think that makes us uh, less than horse manure. I guess. Maybe, ch- maybe chicken the manure. Things that live, the things that live on the horse manure? That or maybe chicken manure. <laughs> I guess, maybe. Or pig manure. Oh, gosh. Okay, no more manure <laughs> talk. Okay. Then we go to the next match, the Steiner Brothers. Versus the executioners. Do you know who the executioners were, Beverly? I don't know. No, I don't know who they were. Do you? I'm thinking this might be a Glenn Ruth. Kind of looked like it could have been that. It wasn't Glenn Ruth. Oh, okay. You got because of Wikipedia. I did not. I did find out who these two guys are. Oh, nice. Who you got? First guy was Barry Hardy. Okay, yep, long-time long time WWF uh, jobber. I don't think I don't think he was made it on the podcast yet. Nope. And his tag team partner has made it on the podcast already. Oh, okay, du- I just looked it up. I know du- who it is. Dwayne Gill. Yeah. Yep, and actually, I, do, I don't know why I even know this, but, like... In the independent scenes of the of the '90s, which really wasn't flourishing, not like today, where you have 
um, you know, big independent promotions, but those two were like huge stars in the, in the, yeah. In in like Maryland and the East coast and stuff, they were like the main eventers would Mm. be like Dwayne Gill and, uh, Barry Hardy. Well, I guess they may have had a name for themselves as jobbers in the WWF. So good for them. They looked a lot bigger. Yeah. Or at least Dwayne Gilded looked a lot bigger than what he was. Must have been because he was wearing black jack. Maybe. Weird. So I I did my first note for this match was we see Doink clowning around in the crowd. Yes. That took away from the match for me that I couldn't pay attention <laughs> to the match. I didn't pay attention to Doink. I didn't think it was too bad. Then my first note for the match was a horrible Irish whip from Rick Steiner to one of the executioners. One of the executioners pretty much just ran into the ropes and fell. Well, actually, <laughs> yeah. he fell into the ropes, I should say. I know, and, like, they they tried to put it over that, like, he... It was such a perfectly executed move, but no, it's just a botch, and he ran into the ropes. So, yeah, my, my next note was... Uh, Nice power slam by Rick. Oh, it was an awesome, awesome power slam by Rick. I had a note right before that where he threw one of the executioners into the top turnbuckle chest first. And I just wrote that Rick is beating the shit out of the executioners and he is loving it. He's like smiling. I don't, you know, I don't know. Sometimes the Steiners, I think, get, have gotten a reputation for, uh, taking liberties or just kind of beating the crap out of jobbers uh, just because. And this sure looked like it. It looked like he was legitimately beating on him and he was, like, loving it. Yeah, my next note was a beautiful overhead belly-to-belly by Scott. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> my next note was a double underhook powerbomb by Scott, which was perfectly executed and like my speech. That would be good. I yeah, promise I, I promised I wasn't drinking yet today. <laughs> I uh missed the rest of the match because I was looking up who Mitch Ferrat was. Okay. I only other <laughs> note I have was the finish. They made note that Mitch Ferrat was gonna be coming into the uh WWF or something, or that he was a football player, but he really wanted to do wrestling, and as the resident sports expert, I feel like I needed to look up who Mitch Ferrat was. Okay, who he? Who is he? He was a backup offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills, who were pretty good at the time. They went to four consecutive Super Bowls, lost them all, but that's still yeah. number two is out of thirty. It's pretty darn good. Um, and he had gained notoriety that year for scoring a few touchdowns, which is. Uh, not common for a uh, offensive lineman to do so, but but yeah, he was kind of just a big jacked up guy, and uh, you know later died two thousand eight from you know the the enlarged heart the the old steroid death. So okay, well the finish yeah. of the match came when the with with the traditional Steiner bulldog. Okay, so the Steiners <laughs> Steiners win, and I rated this match one star. One star. I went one and one-fifth star. Okay, well, I'm happy that things are back to the way they normally are, Beverly. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I felt like this, you know, just like the first match, this was what it needed to be to put the Steiner brothers over and to showcase one of the better tag teams in the World Wrestling Federation in 1993. Mm-hmm. Well, it was definitely a showcase, and it looked good. 
so we go backstage with Sean Moody once again, and this old lady it was trying to get it get in, saying that he was Rob Bartlett's aunt. Yes, I was very, you know, just floored when this woman, this beautiful older woman, was revealed that she was not, you know, not who she who she claimed. I'm Rob's aunt. <laughs> Bobby Heenan. I I I think Bobby should be the main event star of the podcast. <laughs> At least for this edition of Monday, Monday Night Raw. I don't know, man. We just gotta wait and see. Yep, we'll see. Then we go to a special interview with Razor Ramon. It's the bad guy. And uh Razor. yeah, he's Razor challenging Bret Hart. At the Rumble for the WWF Championship. <laughs> Hitman. I didn't. I write down that Razor called Bret Hart the main man. <laughs> you are the main man. In that and Beverly Hills <laughs> for the podcast. You are the main main man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, I did note that I love when Razor Ramon or Scott Hall does the scared fingers. And he did them very quickly in this match, and I, I, love, I love when he does these. So. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, he said that he he's there to dethrone Brett as the new champ. Yes. And there's nothing that Brett can do about... Oh, yeah, then, yeah there's nothing Brett can do yeah. about... Uh, uh, the Razor taking out Owen out there, one of their shows over the weekend. Right, uh-huh, uh-huh. There's nothing that Brett can do about Razor taking the WWF title at the Royal Rumble. Yep, and then he flicked the toothpick at Vince. Which, I would do that same thing if I, well, I was Razor Ramon. <laughs> then we get a WWF headlock, for, headlock and hunger commercial by Randy Savage. Yeah, man, that was an adventure at best. Him trying to read the who was going to uh, be on that card was rough, including him so intently reading it that he's like, and Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, oh yeah, my favorite wrestler. Like He didn't <laughs> even notice that when he read it. That he read his own name <laughs> until after he after he got it out. Oh, macho! Come on, man! Is this the first time you've read this? Like, don't you go over your copy before you? Obviously you not. Read it, I guess. Yeah. I, oh, this is the first time I read my copy of the notes. <laughs> Just saying. I guess. Well, I guess I can't blame Macho then. <laughs> then we uh, hear. Tatanka put it over Headlock for Hunger, and the guys were, or Barlett was confused on who Tatanka was, or can't pronounce his name. Barlett's confused about where he is at this point. <laughs> then, I Barlett. Then, just because I felt like this match was the true main event <laughs> match, I had to drink, I had to open up my raw main event drink. Good. Mike Kenham Metal, yo. Crack it. We get the Intercontinental Championship match with the challenger Max Moon versus Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I have two questions for you, Beverly. Okay, hit me with them. First one is, was Conan 
this Max Moon that you see? I don't think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was Paul Diamond. Okay. Then my second question is, I love Sean's old theme song with Sherry doing the, doing the whole <laughs> song, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the powdered blue intercontinental title belt drop. You know, I made a note that I don't think I've ever seen this, like, teal thing. Because I, cause I know the... Because I know they had, like, the bright yellow for Ultimate Warrior. Oh, okay, yeah. I know they had a white one that they were using now that he had for a while. You know, right. back, I think, like, mid-90s. I know yes. they had this this light blue teal color strap that they... I know that Sean had for a while. I can't remember who else held that light blue strap. Oh, okay. But right. I think the light blue strap... W- Made the belt look beautiful, though, in my opinion. <laughs> eh, it was alright. It wasn't my favorite thing. Well, I guess it was my favorite version of the strap for the old Intercontinental title, but that's just me, though. Sure. Okay, then uh, one of my first notes was both guys did some counter-rustling at the start and some mm-hmm. hip, hip tosses and such, which seemed to pretty look pretty cool, but no reaction to the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of love for Max Moon. It didn't seem. Maybe see him as a threat to Sean. Uh, well, I guess you know, just for this whole match, I'm surprised that Max Mood had as much of a advantage that he had for approach the whole match. Yeah, he did for a, for a bit there. And yeah, there was a commercial break right away. Then we come back with Sean having the advantage, but not for long. That he flew into the turnpost. Yep. And Sean, but Max Moon didn't have much of the advantage, but because Sean gained the advantage right back when he dropped uh, Max Moon on the top rope. Yep. Then uh, I write down that Sean Michaels hit a nice drop kick. Then Dwayne comes down the aisle and was clowning around again. <laughs> I. All of my notes center on when Bartlett starts doing the worst Mike Tyson impression. I, my next note was supposedly they got Mike Tyson on, on the phone, and we can tell it's Rob. Yeah, it was awful. Bad and comedy. also, I, you know, I just thought that it was really, really funny considering the fact that Mike Tyson was in jail for rape. Oh, yeah, let's... Oh, hey, Mike Tyson. Oh, no, that was awful. I was like, really? We're going to talk about the rapist and think he should get out of jail? Especially during this Intercontinental title match on the first Raw. Yeah, it was as a strange, um, yeah, <laughs> strange uh, time for that, uh, just everything. Then uh, my, I did write down what Sean said to the cameraman. Oh, yeah, I really liked that line, too. This face broke so many homes. <laughs> I like that. I, I my, my, After I did, wrote that line, this face broke so many homes, I did write down, ha-ha. <laughs> then, uh, the next one I have is that McMahon put over that if Shawn Michaels retains the title, he'll defend the Intercontinental Strap at the Rumble against Marty Jannetty. Yes. And what's your thoughts on the running off the apron and sitting on Shawn Michaels' move that Max Moon did. Oh, what? Say that one more time. They're running out, running out the apron and sitting on Shawn Michaels' move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's... <laughs> Max Moon. I don't know. He's, like, trying to be like Conan, and it's, he just can't. Okay, my I guess my next note was the finish. Do you have anything else besides the, before the finish? 
No, just more about Bartlett as um, Tyson. I just, I just wanted to put like, you know, Bartlett. He's just like saying his sentence. He's like, "I'm in for six years." Like, who cares? I just <laughs> who would think this is funny or even care about it. Well, we're kind of laughing about it. Well, just how dumb it is, though. Well, Rob Barlett is dumb. Well, yeah, he's pretty much the worst thing ever. So, yeah, uh, the finish came when uh, Shawn Michaels rolled out of the way of I don't know of what. Hit the Sweden chain music to no, to no reaction. And Sean, <laughs> Sean was starting to set up the teardrop suplex. Something happened. Then Sean hit this. The hit. Sean set up for the second tear teardrop suplex and got it. Right. Yep. Yep. Both un- his two finishers, both unnamed, got the yeah. He got the sweet chin music. Yeah. He picked him up for the first teardrop suplex, but Max flipped out of it, and then he did the second one. So the winner, Sean Michaels, still your and ours and mine, Intercontinental Champion. You got it. I rated this match two and one half stars. Wow. I went star and a half. Yeah. I'm surprised I rated this match one full star higher than you, Beverly. Yeah. I just didn't think that Max uh, carried it enough for, or carried his end enough. Fair enough. I I so. rated this match this high because, well, you know, the crowd hurt, definitely hurt this match for me. But I feel like Sean bumped pretty good for Max Moon. Sure. And I guess put Max Moon over enough that to seem like Max Moon was a good wrestler. Sure. Okay. Then I did note the sign that was in the crowd after Sean won. I'm oh, too sexy that? for this match. <laughs> That's awesome. And all I have to say is I'm too thirsty for this match. I'm I'm too sexy for this match. Beverly. That- I'm I'm too sexy for this podcast. Oh. Alright, man. And this voice broke so many homes. <laughs> and that is the game plan. And I guess you're not. You're oh getting, my god! You floored me on that one. And you ain't getting Jack, Jack. <laughs> Gosh, all your catchphrases in one. Yes. Then we go to a WWF commercial or WWF Mania commercial. Like I said, this is the first time I'm reading over my notes, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we went to the Mania commercial. Then we go to the WWF Royal Rumble report with Gene Mean. Yep, and I like. I thought this was good. Got, got a lot of got a lot of little vignettes from folks who were uh, going to be in the rumble, all kind of promising to win. Okay, then, uh, before we do do that, uh, uh, yes, Icro Pro put it on the report or the rumble. Yes. I was too lazy to re- rewind to figure out. Okay. Then yeah, the first match they talked about was Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty for the Intercontinental Title. Okay. Yep. And the, you know, the, the, yeah, they go to an interview with Sean, and he said that Sherry will be in his corner. And uh, then we go to Marty saying that he'll capture the title and end Sean's career. And I, the whole gimmick was, well, which corner will Sherry be in? And all that fun stuff. Yes. Then we go to yeah, Gene Mean putting over the Rumble match. Did you write down any of the guys who talked during the during that? Uh, no, but I remember a couple. Duggan talked. Uh, Perfect talked. Oh, Perfect seemed like 
they they cracked uh, cracked a joke right before they started to record and caught him caught him laughing and and all that. Yeah, I thought he, yeah. he cut a pretty good promo. Him laughing his way through it. I think that's supposed to be like his baby face gimmick. It was questionable. Okay, well, I just felt like they seemed like the, the, you know, cut a joke, then start turning the camera on right when, before he was able to make a comeback, and they had to help him cut his promo. <laughs> sure. But I, I, know, I didn't, I didn't write, write it down, but I didn't notice that. It's so like, I did notice a couple of uh, spots in Duggan's beard that was starting to turn gray. Okay. And... I didn't realize, well, I guess I did remember Duggan having the full beard, but never remember Duggan having that his full beard out, growing out that long, though. Oh, yeah, I noticed that, too, because then I was thinking about, like, shaving my beard. <laughs> well, I'm happy Duggan did you think about it down. That. I was like, oh, man, I hope mine doesn't look, like, that full. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, then, you know, then, then uh, Gene Mean put over the WWF title match. Uh-huh, we got a Brett. Yeah, the Brett versus Razor. Then yep. Gene Mean told me to call my cable for provider. Mm-hmm. What did they say when you called them? I told, uh, they did not even answer since I don't have cable. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, uh, Gene, I'm sorry. you have? I was, I was going to say, Gene, I'm sorry, but I don't have cable, so I'm whatever. <laughs> then we go back outside with Sean Moody with people in line to try to get tickets for the next week. We was thinking, why would people line up for tickets next week when the show is still going on? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. So I was thinking this was probably pre-taped before. Yeah, probably. Or taped afterwards and just thrown in at the end. Yes, yes. Yeah, then uh, Bobby, in another gimmick, try to get it, get back yeah, in. Yeah, he's, dre- he's dressed up like a, a, a Hasidic Jew to yes, try which, to get in. Which made me laugh. He's got the ringlets, he has the hat on, uh, all the other traditional Jewish uh, attire there, and he's trying to get in. Then we go to a... This is borderline offensive, too, because he's putting on an accent as well. <laughs> Then we go to a commercial with Vince saying that if you want tickets for Raw on January 18th or February 1st, call. I didn't take the take the number down. So, you guys, <laughs> if you want tickets for Raw in Manhattan Center on January the 18th or February the 1st, call. 93. Whatever. The number is 203-352-8692. Again, the number, <laughs> the number is 203-352-8692. Good stuff. Then, I'm glad, you're doing a service to everybody right now. You know, you're doing a great job. I was going to so get tickets to Raw. I was going to say, whenever, I'll say my gimmick is, whenever we review these shows, <laughs> and the number is still on the screen, not blurred out, or... The announcer's voice isn't blurred out or whatever. During the number, I have to write it down in my notes. You got to do what you got to do, man. Then, I wanted to ask you about what we see next. How Vince was talking about what happened to Kamala, which we talked about a couple episodes back. When, oh, yeah, for when, sure. When we talked about Kamala on, on episode three of Raw, that it sounded like I swore when Vince said that we're about to see Kamala finally seeing the light. I swear yes. Vince said on the WWF network. 
He did. Okay, because I rewound that once because I swore that's why I heard Vince say the WWF Network. Yep, he did. Yeah, oh. me, meaning just like the various syndicated shows. Okay, because I was, I was wondering if somehow they went over and redubbed Vincent Network. No, it would ju- it would just be just the ver- they probably showed that on, you know, multiple different shows. So he wasn't just gonna say, you know, on All American Wrestling or on yeah. you know Superstars or whatever. It was just on all of them. So he just said you saw it on the WWF Network. Okay, okay, because I, I wanted to get uh, some clearance on that. You got it. Then, uh, then yeah. You, do you want to talk anything about this uh, Kamala piece? Since, since you're a big Kamala fan, I'm a huge Kamala fan. I'm I'm probably the biggest Kamala fan out there. I got the biggest 1993 Kamala fan. Kamala, 370 pounds. Kamala. No, it, it was it was good stuff. I mean, that you got Kinchi and Harvey Whippleman bust him around, and then we got. Uh, Slick running down to kind of save him. The only thing that would have made it better if we could have gotten a chant of "You are a man, you are a man." <laughs> well, we got a chant going here, so that's good enough, I guess. <laughs> Greatest chant in wrestling history, bar none. <laughs> then I guess we might as well go into the main event of the night. Yes, do it because I don't have much shit notes on this. Yeah, long. same here. Damian Demento versus The Undertaker. Okay. Tell, do you know anything about Damien Demento, Beverly? A little bit. Okay, well, tell, <laughs> really know. tell me about Damien Demento, because I know most, very nothing. Most notably for me and Damien Demento is a few years ago, he, like, took to YouTube and started making, like, videos of him just ranting on politics and wrestling and, and everything. And he was just sounded off his rocker, just super crazy. Okay. And not, like, super crazy, the ECW wrestler. Okay, so, okay. Oh, yeah. I really don't remember Damian Demento that much. I don't, you know, I don't know if he was around for a very long time. He, I don't really know even what his kind of character was. He's he's talking to himself, and kind of talking to the ceiling. Um, he's got this huge like fur. It kind of looks like a mouth, like a big Venus flytrap or something, um, as well. Okay. I now I did note that I loved how. The referee was holding up the urn like Paul Bearer does when Paul Bearer was taking Undertaker's jacket and hat. <laughs> I did not notice that, but that's awesome. I noticed that a lot, and I hated Rob Bartlett when he was asking what's in the salt shaker. Oh, jeez, yes. That's why I wanted to mute my TV, but I didn't. It was pretty bad. Then I did note that. I did find it kind of funny when uh, how those Damon and Undertaker started out, how they were punching each other. I did find it kind of funny that Undertaker's punches were too slow for Damien. Okay. That, that when you know, when both of them were going to act like they're going to punch each other at the same time, Undertaker's punches were too slow before... Because Undertaker's punches were came out too short when before Damien's punches connected with the Undertaker. That made me oh, laugh. Oh, okay. I understand. Yeah. I guess my next note was Undertaker hits old school and the move was unnamed. Right, well, yeah. It was for, you know, many years. Yeah, I know that. I know I did write down what Macho and Vince said about that, though. Okay, what they say? 
Macho said, Undertaker was walking tall there. <laughs> the Vince, Vince replied back, Undertaker always walks tall. Okay. That, that made me laugh. Like, that was a funny exchange between Macho and Vince. <laughs> Macho, Undertaker was walking tall there. Vince, Undertaker always walks tall. Thank you, I guess. Yeah, thanks for providing that insight, Vince and Macho. Good job. I did not realize Undertaker was walking tall by his height. <laughs> yeah, right. The fact that he's taller than everybody else. Okay. Yes. Then Good it's, job. Let's see. I didn't know this. Like people appreciated whatever Undertaker did something by <laughs> clapping and approval. <laughs> I wish I wish it would come back nowadays in wrestling. Just uh, just straight applause. Yeah, like when when the, when the good guys or just whatever fans, whatever wrestlers <laughs> the fans want to cheer for, whenever they do something something that the fans approve of, they start clapping, clapping and nodding and all that. <laughs> I would love that. I guess my next note I have is the finish. Do you have any other notes? Nope. Okay. The I don't finish, want... The finish came when The Undertaker hit the tombstone for the victory. You got it. Winner, The Undertaker, rating one star for this match. Uh, <clears throat> one star and two-fifths. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like, you know, just like most of the other matches, this match was what it was. It was what it needed to be. Yeah, these were, you know, they're not, none of these are anything special. They're very straightforward, if not spectacular, so. Then we come back with Vince interviewing Doink Ringside. Yes. I wish there'd be more interviews with Rustler's Ringside, because I really like that. Okay. Then do you take any notes about this interview? Um, just uh, Vince is beating us over the head with, like, the very basic premise of Doink's character. Making children cry. Doink, you have said that you don't make children laugh, you make them cry. <laughs> Does he really have to be like that, like straightforward with it? I mean, we get it, Vince. He's an evil clown. You don't need to, uh, you know, be so upfront with it. Yeah, then Crush came down and said that he'll beat up Doink if Doink doesn't leave people alone and makes them cry and all that. Make you cry, brah. Then I swore Doink squirted uh, Crush in the face with water, but I didn't catch it, though. He did. He used that flesh flower on his okay. shirt. That's why I kind of assumed I looked away, then next thing I knew Doink was running away, so that's why I assumed what happened. Right, yeah. Crush got it in his eyes or whatever, and he was angry at Doink. And we go back outside with Sean Mooney, and Sean finally let Bobby into the arena when the show ended. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so I guess we might as well go to the jobber and main event star for the evening. Okay. My jobber is Damien Demento. Oh, okay. Because he didn't do anything for me. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do much for me either. Who's your jobber, Beverly? You know, I think this might be my first two-time jobber Uh-oh. of the of the show. Randy Savage? That, no, no. Rob Bartlett. <laughs> I was going to go for Bartlett, but I'm like, I don't want to be that mean to him. God, he was, but he was just so bad. Yeah, he was bad. just so bad. My main event. He did not add anything. All he did was detract. Yes. Well, that's Rob Bartlett for you. <laughs> My main event set of star is our intercontinental champion. I think for the first time for me, the, my three-time main event set of star 
Shawn oh, Michaels. Nice. Just because Shawn Michaels was able to pull a half what decent match out of Max Moon. Nice. And he was a, a only champion on this Monday Night Raw for the first episode. Cool. Who's her main event status star? I'm main event status star. I, there wasn't a lot to choose from, to be honest with you. Yeah, I thought uh, it's another. One. Yeah, it's another repeater for me. It's going to be Bobby the Brain. Uh, yeah, good choice. These these skits were, you know, not very good, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. But Bobby, I think, did a good job kind of pulling out what he could on those, um, making them watchable, you know, making them half decent. Um, he had fun with them. He was, you know, over the top with these three skits, uh, yeah, four skits. I was fine. So, yeah, Bobby's my main eventer on this one. Okay, before we do the top five, Beverly, do you want to tell us, what we'll, we'll be reviewing on the next episode of Main Event Status Radio. Okay, next week we got another first. We got uh, the very first episode of SmackDown 98. 99. September 90. 99. My bad. 99. So, yeah. Which, so back into the Attitude Era. Uh-oh. Yeah. See if I make it out alive. <laughs> and I'll say the week after that will be continued on month of first. And we're not going to reveal what we'll be covering until the show gets dropped. <laughs> nice. So that will be, be dropping in about two oh, weeks. Secret, now. secret, secret, man. Yeah. So we might as well go to the top five list for the evening. And Beverly, you chose the top five for this evening. What is the top five? I did. Uh, so I, you know, I was, I, was, I was a little iffy on what to do for the top five on this one. But kind of in looking at who we had on this show, uh, I with Undertaker, Demento, um, even Max Moon too, I decided to go with top five or favorite, whatever, uh, supernatural gimmicks. Uh, gimmicks for wrestlers that are out of the ordinary, using some type of element of science fiction or horror or something like that. Okay, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I can start. Yeah. Who's your number five, Beverly? My my five was a little iffy. Uh, I'll I'll give you, you know, I'll give you that. Uh, my number five, I I think it's still supernatural because it's just kind of uh, not existing in the real life. My number five is Kamala. I thought you know it's still out of the out of the real life to have a headhunter. Um, yeah, someone is, <laughs> someone is going to kill and eat his victims here. So uh, I still think that's fictional. I'm, I'm going with Kamala for my number five. Good choice. My number five <laughs> is Papa Shango. Ooh, good choice. Okay. Cause I was kind of having a tough time with this list to be honest with you, but okay. I picked Papa Shango because I still remember him making, uh, Ultimate Warrior sweat out like the green stuff, like blood or whatever. Okay. Oh yeah, right. And and him just being like the voodoo dude. Yeah, that was that was good times. That so Papa Shango. And I don't know what I don't know. It's still an interesting transition from Kamala or not from Kamala. Papa Shango going from this voodoo priest to an MMA fighter to a pimp. <laughs> Yes, the, the career trajectory of Papa Shango. I wish they would have like tried to say how he went from from those three things. That would have been fun. I know that that would have been. <laughs> so, Beverly, what is your number four? 
Okay, my number four, one of the old school um, supernatural guys. The kind of, I mean, think just I was trying to think back. Could have been one of the big, one of the first ones, to kind of break big with the supernatural gimmick, and that would be Kevin Sullivan. Good choice. Uh, you know, he he got cheesy at times, but you know, and seeing some of his work from Florida in the early to mid '80s, uh, he had those those uh, fans really eating out of the palm of his hand, and uh, just doing a great job there. And he was able to you know parlay that into major runs with the NWA and the major main event runs even against Hulk Hogan and WCW, so. Well, even though in w, we kind of mentioned it before, but even in WCW, it's kind of cheesy anyway. Oh, yeah, for sure. My number four is the big red machine cane. <laughs> so, yeah, just because, you know, him being billed as, you know, Undertaker's half-brother and all that, and Surviving a fire and not being able to talk, then using a voice box, then to, to talk, then <laughs> actually having a voice and taking his mask off, and the scars are mentally not on his face and all that. <laughs> I just feel like you know it's cool to cool. I wish I had the power to raise my hands up in the air and drop them and, and pyro coming out wherever I wanted to come out. Definitely. So Kane's my number four. Okay. Uh, yeah, my number three is Kane. Uh, same thing. And I think the, the key in parlaying a a supernatural character into a long run, as opposed to a short run is being able to have real decisions and real character traits in those, you know, working inside of those boundaries of your supernatural character. And I think Kane was able to do that. Um, and, and he has had, a, you know, almost a 20 year run now in this character. So, yeah. So I think he's, his run was almost as long as the undertakers. Uh, yeah. A few would be maybe six years shorter, but yeah. yeah. Okay. My number three, all I have to say is he's coming to get ya. Oh, I didn't even think of this guy. I'm the boogeyman. I'm coming <laughs> to get ya. If I had a fake, if I had a gimmick clock, I'd smash it over my head right now, Beverly. <laughs> do you got any worms on hand? No, I don't, but I do got two cats, but I'm not going to put them in my mouth. Though. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to eat my cat either. Yes. But, yeah, my number three has to be the boogeyman. Granted, his run wasn't that long like we were talk, just talking about with Ken and yeah. the Undertaker, but I... I just love the boogeyman. And I remember... Like a 45-year-old guy, you did a pretty darn good job. I know, and I remember, I think right on this time, it would have been a thing like 2006-ish, yeah. or so, 2007 when he was around. And I think my niece would have been about five at that time. Okay. And I I wish I would remember my niece's reaction, but I don't think she really liked him too much whenever he came on TV just because of him... Doing the goofy walks and having the worms in his, face, in his mouth and all that. <laughs> the the boogeyman, the man who became the boogeyman, his tough enough like interview was like my most favorite thing. How old are you? 29. How old are you? 29. How old are you? 42. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. That would explain, explain why the boogeyman didn't last too long. <laughs> I just love that he said it in the exact same tone. Beverly, how old are you? 29. 
29. Beverly, how old are you? 29. Beverly, how old are you? 42. That is the game plan. <laughs> Beverly, who is your number two? Oh, my gosh. Breathe in. Breathe in. My number two is... Um, the trio of the Sinister Minister, Mikey Whipwreck, and Tajiri from ECW. Um, I was the first ECW I ever got to watch was in, when they were on TNN in 1999 and 2000. And, you know, they, they were having a rough time period at, at this time. Their best guys were either in, in one of the major companies or uh, hurt like RVD was. Um, but one of the real bright spots was this trio for me. They're really fun. Uh, Whiprink and Tajiri had great matches. Um, Sinister Minister had really funny promos in the back. I, I liked these, these three a lot. The Sinister Minister, he would go on to TNA, wouldn't he? Uh Yeah. Yeah. And I, (laughs) and I mean, he was fine, but he was in some really bad programs with Abyss and, and other folks in that one. Well, I just want to make sure I got, you know, I, I got this. Same guy in my mind yes. that you're talking about. Because mm-hmm. I yes, thought, he, I thought, granted, he was in bad programs in TNA, but I did sure. really enjoy his his promo ability. Mm-hmm. He, he was able to deliver great promos still. Right. It is the same person. And he does have, uh, and <laughs> funny, he's also like a lounge singer in Florida. Yeah, so like, that's, like his, that's like his regular job, which I think is hilarious. Okay. My number two, which I'm sure might be your number one, but my number two. All I have to say is rest in peace. <laughs> that is my number one. And if we, if you want to like tag team, yeah. talking, I, I picked the Undertaker yeah. because you know his long career as the gimmick Undertaker. He debuted in Survivor Series nineteen ninety and all that you know, as well, like undead Undertaker. Yeah, right, like a zombie Undertaker. And then all his, you know, renditions, character gimmicks of the Undertaker from that to, you know, like the guy, Undertaker that we talked about from the fourth episode of SmackDown, you know, the cult leader mm-hmm. to the American badass Undertaker back to, you know, the phenom Undertaker that he went back at WrestleMania 20 to nowadays. You know, he's, you know, a guy that, you know... I, well, I'm sure it's just interviews, but like whenever Undertaker come come down the purple lighting and his things on how the arena would become cold and Ooh, all yeah. that, and lightning shooting lightning bolts out of stuff, and you know making the lights come back on when he raises his hands, Undertaker gimmick I it was my number two, and obviously your number one. Right, and and I'll yeah I'll continue. I think again when we look at longevity, this is the the standard for it. He was able to tweak the character enough to keep it fresh, and you know in '99 when it had maybe kind of ran its course, he kind of scrapped it a little bit and went went in another direction. Um, still kind of keeping those you know main character tenants though. So I. Yeah, I think this is really the standard, and I and I'm interested to see who you got number one. I guess, you know, when you said the top five supernatural wrestlers, I kind of went outside that list, Beverly. I, I like no, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear who you got. It should be the top five, or should I say, for me, the top one supernatural manager. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Sure. 
Sure. Just because with a Paul Bear on this episode of, of Raw, it made me r- remember why I love the Paul Bear. Mm-hmm. And why he was probably one of the greatest managers and one of the greatest gimmick managers of all time. Right. And with uh, without Paul Bear, that Undertaker character is extremely different. Yeah. You know, it's it's not the same. It's it's not the same at all. And I don't know if it has the same legs without Paul Bear. I I can definitely see putting Paul Bear at the top. You know, you know, then you know him carrying the urn and his his voice and yeah. I know I did drop the Paul Bear song that I made on a couple episodes ago, and <laughs> it still makes me laugh. The one promo that he did uh, when after he turned on the on, on the Undertaker and building up Kane, calling calling the Undertaker the the Demon Seed, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he's the Demon Seed, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, which always makes yeah. me laugh. I think I just yeah, I think he added so much dimension and so much much nuance to the the Undertaker character because I mean, like without Paul Bear, Undertaker is just the road warriors or, you know, he's, he's any other just big guy who doesn't get hurt. Um, and to really make it supernatural, you need that kind of that Paul bear character. So yeah, I can definitely play that. So that Paul bear was my number one choice. Cool. I'm with it, man. So yeah, before we do the plugs, I must also plug my, what a maneuver episode, the WWF in your house, degeneration X pay-per-view from uh, December 7th, 1997. Were, Four days before my birthday. Yes. I love your birthday. 11th birthday. Then uh, it was Shawn Michaels defending the WWF title against Ken Shamrock and uh, Triple H and Sergeant Slaughter in a boot camp match. And I believe if I figure out my math correctly that uh, this episode of What a, or what a Maneuver, oh, I, I'm excited, that that uh, this episode of Main Event Status Radio should be dropping right around the same time that episode of What a, what a Maneuver will be dropping. Okay, cool. So, I'll, you know, like I said before, check our Facebook page, check our Twitter. I will mention it on future shows after the show gets dropped on plugging it some more to, you know, telling people where they can go and all that. For sure. So, I'll start plugs. You know, check our like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash main event status radio. That's facebook.com backslash main event status radio. Oh, one word. Like us. Talk to us there. Tell us how much we suck, how much we, we're good. <laughs> tell us what things you like to us Give to us review. Give us the thumbs up. Yes, tell us what you like to us review. Also, follow us on the Twitter machine. Beverly, tell us how we can follow you on Twitter. Yep, at Beverly Hills M E S. And for me, try try to tweet as much as I can. And for me, it's Dirty Dog M E S. Dog as in D A W G. Dirty Dog M E S. You can listen to us on MainEventStatus.com. That's our website. It's MainEventStatus.com. And you can also listen and subscribe to us on iTunes. You know, search us out on the library thing, Main Event Status Radio. (laughs) Rate us, review us, have us climb up climb up the charts and beat the Ross report because that is our dream to beat Jim Ross at his own game Jack we want to be better podcasters I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a 10 count punch in the corner to Jim Ross and I'm not gonna break my hand yes I want <laughs> us to beat Jim Ross and all that and, and I want him to bleed barbecue sauce Sauce it. Before we can f- finally tell Jim Ross, before you can tell Jim Ross when you punch him in the corner, sauce it, brother, sauce it. 
Beverly, do you have any closing comments before we end the show? Nope. It was it was a fun time. Uh, enjoy your week. We'll yeah. talk to you guys later. Yes, and we'll come back next week with the first episode of Thursday Night Smackdown. For Mr. Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog, and yes, the freaks do come out at night. Ladies and gentlemen, I really like that. That's fantastic. That is our show, ladies and gentlemen.